Hi friend, let's be honest. If you're anything like me, your life probably feels busy, crazy, and full. But even in the midst of the day-to-day, and no matter what life stage you're currently in, maybe you find yourself constantly longing for something deeper, something real. Maybe like me, you wonder about things like restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. In truth, I am on an imperfect journey of pursuing Jesus Christ and what it looks like to find those things in a relationship with Him. It's a journey I committed to years ago when I dedicated my life to following Christ, and it's a journey I invite friends to explore with me, even if, and honestly, especially if, you're not sure what path you're on. So for those who are skeptical, curious, or just need some encouragement, well, this podcast is for you. Come along with me as we journey together towards finding something real. Welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast. Thank you for coming back. And if this is your first time listening, my name is Janelle Wood, and I'm excited you're here. We are in the middle of a series talking about ish, identity, and impetus, and how those concepts relate to finding something real. If you want to find out more, please check out our earlier episodes, or you can visit my website at www.janellewood.com and sign up to receive the free study guide that goes along with this series. Today, friends, we are talking again about the concept of identity, and I am very excited to welcome a close friend to the podcast. She is a worship leader, a children's ministry director, a wife, a mom, a writer, a tech junkie, talented photographer, videographer. She's passionate about Jesus Christ, and I love how firm she is in her desire for God and her worship of Him. So I'm thrilled to welcome my friend, Katie Dommel. Katie, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Katie, you and I... Um, it feels like we had a divine appointment to become friends, and I don't say that lightly. We met at the Delight and Bee Young Women's Retreat in April 2018, but we bonded over our mutual love of Target, gluten-free Red Robin fries, and working together. And even though you lived in the Midwest, I added you to my phone, and we even talked about how great it would be if one day our kids got to grow up together Um, But then we didn't talk for a few months, and seven months later, you did move to my town. Our children are friends, and now you're leading kids ministry and doing worship at Christ Center, the community of believers we're doing life with. And I think that's pretty awesome that our stories are kind of interwoven that way. I agree. (laughs) So um, you have a family, and I'm curious. I'd love for um, the people who are listening to hear why did you move across the country? Um, you had a great job. You had a strong community, including your own family. It takes a lot of guts to pick up and move across the country. So would you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, I could give you the long version or the longer version. <laughs> okay. The long version. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, um, just a brief history. Uh, we had done this one time before in our lives. When our oldest two kids were very young, we moved across the country and moved to Brookings, Oregon. And when we did that, um, we really felt like, honestly, even though we both grew up in the church, we were really young in our faith and we wanted to take this big risk for God because we knew that um, if we did that, uh, that he would be pleased, you know, it would just be honoring to him. And 
and we just kind of had this naive thing going on, you know, where we were just like, let's just do it and see what happens. And so we did. And, um, it's funny because we, we don't tell the story very often because it actually ended in like complete and utter disaster in in many, many ways, but, um, mm-hmm. it didn't feel like that to us. It felt like God grew us so much. And, um, you know, we felt like we did everything he asked us to do. And so we were leaving and coming back home to Nebraska, but we knew that he had more for us and we were excited to see what that was going to be. And so, um, you know, it was kind of like that. We felt like we were getting that well done, good and faithful servant kind of thing, you know, even though there's much more to our lives and much more yeses that had to be said because we knew that um, he rewards great leaps of faith. And it's not always in the way we think, but um, he does. And he increases our faith when we do that. So Hmm. then we decided to come back and we really settled in well. We were back home for five, six, five or six years, six years. And out of the blue, an opportunity came in to our, uh, into our lives. And so we said yes again and found ourselves here. (laughs) Not everybody, uh, would be willing to do that. (laughs) And, um, it takes a lot of strength, uh, maybe to, and a lot of like confidence that you are hearing from God to make a choice like that. So where does that strength or that confidence come from? Well, the first time we did it, I think it was just like, we were very, unaware of what we just didn't even know how big of a thing we were we didn't know what we were doing (laughs) we just did it you know we were we were just kind of in love with the idea of the adventure of it but then the second time we knew we'd been through I mean we went to a church plant before and it failed and so then we were being called to come be a part of this church plant (laughs) here in Washington and you know there were definitely fears because we had been through it before Um, but you know, we weren't looking for the opportunity and it was pretty obvious to us that it was from the Lord and we had trusted people that we went to and we asked them, you know, what, what do you think about this? Would you pray about this? And some other people that we asked that we didn't even tell them what was going on. We just asked them to pray and, um, just thing after thing, it was just confirmation after confirmation to come. Um, and I don't know when you feel like God is, calling you to do something, I think it takes more guts to say no to it than it does to, to say yes to it. If you're really sure, you know, of, of who he is and how good he is, then you just go for it. How did you become so sure in who he is and how good he is? I kind of feel like the church we were in that sent, that sent us here was kind of like an incubator for us where they, as a church body, were going through this whole process of kind of rediscovering their identities in in Christ. And when we became part of this church body, um, we were kind of primed to be going through that process with them at the same time, coming from this crazy arduous journey that we'd been on and resettling into normal life. And we just had this community of people that believed in us. And the teaching there was so fundamental and basic and that's exactly what we needed at the time. So I feel like having that church body was so vital to us. We would have absolutely wandered astray without some sort of crazy intervention from the Lord without that, because we just, there was accountability, you know, and community. We saw the value that it had in our lives. And and then um, all that teaching, it was just, like I said, fundamental 
And so it helped us lay this foundation for our faith. And we just had these moments where we encountered the Lord enough that they were kind of like our Ebenezer's, you know, these stones we place and look back at and we can see, oh, God is faithful. I know because this time he was faithful and this time he was faithful. And this is where I heard him clearly. And I know this is a call he has on my life. And this is who he says I am. And I know because I've experienced his love and I know who he is. And so just through that journey of, of kind of having those moments, um, we were able to kind of walk through some healing in our own lives and in our marriage and kind of come to this healthy place where we were ready to go and, and do a new adventure with the Lord. Hmm. So um, you mentioned an Ebenezer moment for those who are listening, who have never heard that term before um, and how it might relate to identity. Would you mind explaining that a little bit? Sure. Um, so in the Old Testament, they, they took these stones and um, when they had an encounter with the Lord or a place where the Lord was faithful, they built this little altar kind of looking thing out of stones. And it was just like a place of victory. And so um, it was basically, I think it means like God is with us or God has helped us or something like that. And so basically it's like, it was this physical reminder you know, mm-hmm. that, that God intervenes and that God is good and that he's, he's walking alongside of us. And, um, you know, I, we've kind of, I've had this, had this habit of anytime I've gone on like a missions trip or I've gone to a conference or I've gone even just in my own life, like I have this moment of clarity with God. I take a stone and I write a word on it or something like that. And I just kind of have this collection of rocks that have come from all over, um, because I feel like I need those physical reminders sometimes. So when I say that, I just mean that there are these moments in my life where I can look back and say, okay, um, God is with me at this, at this time. And for me, it's usually either a moment of great pressure where um, there's been refining um, a valley type of moment where I can't see clearly, but I know that God can see clearly. And then he brings me through it. Um, and, you know, I just have to surrender or um, a time where I've just encountered his presence so sweetly and so uh, beautifully that I just have clarity. And so that's, that's what that has looked like for me. That's awesome. So we're talking about identity. And Katie, I feel like you have a pretty strong grip on who you are. And I know that not everyone feels that way. What is it that keeps you grounded in knowing who you are? I feel like a lot of it has to do with you know, in, in scripture, it says more than once to renew your mind. And I think that having your mind conformed to the word and um, spending intentional time, making sure that we're in sync with God and what he's doing and what he's thinking and what his word says, and not instead of being, you know, conformed to a pattern of this world. I think if you think of about those patterns, you can kind of start to see these patterns of thinking in the world and in our culture. So like you can tell that there's a difference. And so I think that's, first of all, I feel like that's just paramount because if you, if your mind is not clear, you have a different perspective on everything. That is um, the number one most important thing to do is to be in the word and to um, have that eternal perspective that God gives us, you know, 
because he he's on the mountaintops and he can see everything for miles and miles and miles. Like he knows all of creation and he knows every person on this planet and he knows why we're here, but we're like down in these little valleys and we can't see what he sees and we have to rely on him and this communication with him in order to know where to go and what to do and what to and what to believe. For the person who's listening and um, what you're saying is like, huh, I've never heard that before. Do you have an example of something that maybe is something that you used to believe and now has been renewed in your mind? Sure. Um, I was actually just thinking about this before we started our call. Um, it popped into my head. So it's probably something I'm supposed to share. We had this conference um, at our church one time and there was a speaker and he was teaching us hearing God and that we can actively be listening for his nudges. But he was also talking about like, how can we encourage other people and, and kind of giving us some rules and things like that. Um, just always be encouraging that kind of thing. And there was a woman sitting next to me and she was kind of a, she was known for like being outspoken and, and very confident that she was hearing from the Lord often. And so they said, well, turn to, turn to the person next to you. We're going to pray and just listen and see if he gives you a word of encouragement for the person sitting next to you. And so um, I remember we, we all just were quiet and then I got something and I was really proud of myself and I shared it with her. And, <laughs> and then um, she turned to me and she looked at me and the word she got for me was inadequate. <sighs> and really she was spot on um, that that was like my biggest struggle and my deepest wound. I didn't even know, you know, but it was like, it, it was like it reverberated in my mind and in my heart for years after that. And it took me, um, a lot of, you know, learning who I am in Christ as a child of God. And also, um, just walking through some of my own wounds and my own hangups that I've developed over the years, because I've believed lies about who I am that I finally got to this place where I was ready to deal with that lie. And I sat down with um, some people that I really trusted and we prayed through those lies, just breaking them and just kind of declaring like, this is not who I am. And I was able to like get freedom from that thing, but it just hung over me for a long time. Yes. I do think that she should have like twisted around and said like, you are not inadequate. You are this. But um, I think that that was like very revealing that, there are so many things that we believe about our identity that do not come from the Lord. And those are the things that hold us back from, you know, walking in freedom. So looking back now, what do you think was going on there? Because when you said that, I'm thinking that is not from God, right? It's not encouraging. (laughs) Uh, It's not uplifting. It basically puts you in this spiral for a while. Um, mm-hmm. to someone who's listening, who is skeptical of church, uh, maybe exactly for things like that, like Christians who are going to say things that are hurtful and judgmental looking back now, what right. do you, I mean, is that how you, you feel about that situation or did you feel like it was part of the journey for you that you needed to hear that? I think that people can hear from the Lord. I think that there are people that can see, um, more of what's going on in the spiritual than others. That's just called discernment. And that's kind of a Christianese word, but it just means that you can kind of see what's really going on with somebody sometimes. And, um, I think that she probably has that gift, but she didn't do what you're supposed to do as a 
a Christian and it's, it's all about edification and building people up and Mm -hmm. making them understand who they are. So with that deep place that of, of wound that I had in me and how fully I believed that lie, um, she had an opportunity to speak truth into my life. And instead she just kind of got it half right. If God wants to do something in someone's life and we're listening to the Holy Spirit in us, then we should be able to encourage someone in exact place that they need encouragement. And that's kind of what that is. But um, we have the ability to do damage too. And I think that people get it wrong all the time. And that's because we're people, you know, we're human. We're going to make mistakes. And we just have to understand that people make mistakes, but God does not. And um, it's not about the person. It's about our relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And our, he's our maker, you know, and, and what is he saying? So anytime anyone says anything, especially if they're saying it like they're the mouthpiece of the church or as a Christian, you just have to disregard the person and take what they said and say, okay, does this line up with scripture? You know, is this something you have for me, God? Or is this something I just need to throw out the window and not take it personally and not get offended because that's just silly. doesn't do anybody good. You know, so that's, that's my take on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's not God, it's people and people, even if they're getting messages from the Lord are not always computing. Right. <laughs> and so uh, we really have to look to the Lord and not to people. And that's a really good segue to, to something I wanted to talk to you about. So one of the things that I love about you, Katie, is that you um, have such a heart for worship and uh, glorifying God. I'm just wondering because I believe that's because you have an identity, a strong sense of identity for you and for him. Mm-hmm. And I feel like our worship is one of those words um, that we just throw around in our culture. Um, sometimes it just feels like if we sing a few songs about Jesus, then we call that worship. So would you mind talking a little bit about what worship means to you and how that relates to the identity of God? I mean, worship is basically our lives offered in sacrifice to the Lord. Um, worship is always sacrifice. It's funny because I actually was reading in Romans today. And so, um, there's Romans 12, one in, um, the passion translation, which is not one I usually use, but, um, Romans 12, one says, beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God, to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all the desires and delights of his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think, which is kind of what I was talking about earlier. And then it goes on to say, Mm -hmm. this will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. And so there's a lot in that, but I feel like as a response to God's grace and his mercy over us, we have this life that we get to decide what we're going to do with it. Are we going to die to ourselves and live for Christ? Or are we going to live for ourselves and not pay attention to the call that he has on our lives? You know, do we believe that God is good or do we believe that he's even a real? Because um, for me, like, I just, I guess I just take the word for what it says. So like the Bible says that he works all things for the good of those who love him. I know that there are people that mess up. I know that there are things that happen in this world that are horrifying, but I also know that 
I, and I've seen it, that he takes those horrible things and works them together for the good of those that love him. He makes good out of bad things, but he never takes something and makes it bad. Like he's, it says every good and perfect gift comes from the father. Another place in Romans, it says, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father, which just means like Papa, like Daddy, like this this super personal, intimate name for God. You know, that that is who he is to us. And for me, I I grew up and I struggled with that idea of God as a father because my relationship with my dad was never great. And I, if I looked at, you know, my dad through that lens, then it didn't measure up. You know, I just, I didn't see God as this like personal God. But when I started to like really just search the word for like, who is, who does he say he is? And, um, I also read Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer and it just talks about all the attributes of God. And like, it's just, it's mind blowing, honestly. Like when you start to just search out, he's so good and he's always good. Mm -hmm. He's always love. He's always just. And, and so if I need a provider, he's my provider. If I need a healer, he's my healer. If I need someone to march before me in victory, that's him too. And he's my source for everything that I need in my life. And so when you come to that realization and you see his hand in your life over and over and over, like you don't have enough money to put food on the table and he always provides exactly what you need and sometimes more in so many beautiful ways. I mean, how can you not praise him for it? You know? Mm-hmm. So it's just experience. It's my experiences with him knowing who he is that make me like have this heart of worship. Yeah. Have you ever struggled with, um, with doubt or disbelief or have you always had such a, a strong faith, um, resolute, like strength in knowing who he is? No. Um, I struggle with doubt most of my life, <laughs> like <laughs> deep, deep doubt and then shame for doubting and not wanting anyone to know that I was doubting. Um, I was raised in a Christian home. I was saved when I was three. I was like riding in the back seat of the car. My mom and I were having a conversation and I accepted Jesus as my savior. And I had probably had no idea what it meant, but you know, I, I was raised in the church. So I understood as I grew what I, what I, that decision meant for me. And then as a teenager kind of would come back to the Lord over and over and over. And, and yet like there was nothing personal in it for me. I felt like I knew all the right answers, but I didn't have any of the heart knowledge and I was longing for it. I mean, I was just longing for this deep connection and I didn't know how to get it. (laughs) I had no idea how to find it. I mean, and the funny thing is, is there was some sort of block. Like I just didn't open my Bible or if I did, I would like, uh, I used to write a lot of music and, and poetry and I would and I would kind of write and I'd have this, these angsty feelings, you know, just deep, deep feelings. And, and I would write, um, but I was never searching the word for him. I just wondered why, where he was and why he was so distant, but I never actually like moved closer myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure why that block was there, but it was there for a very long time. And, but I also felt a lot of shame for not spending time in the word very often. And, um, so it's just like major disconnect with who God is and, and his goodness. And it took me like, I, I feel like God just has had his hand in my life 
my entire um, existence. You know, any time that I was in a situation where I could have easily walked away, something drastic happened where I moved or uh, my family, like things changed in my family or, you know, it was just thing after thing after thing where God was always like making sure that I did not walk too far away from him. So I'm not sure why that is, or if that's just me seeing, you know, his faithfulness in my life. But, um, yeah. So you were saying that even though you had all the answers or what you thought you had all the answers, um, you wouldn't open up your Bible. So what changed for you? When did it become Um, a personal relationship? I think it was, there was a, I think I had a personal relationship in a way because I always did, um, have this ability to like sing to the Lord. And I, and always had this deep longing for truth and this deep longing for like knowing him. And so I would declare these things in song and in, in the privacy of my own room, you know, and it would be, you know, just kind of things that I read or knew about God, but it always felt so not quite genuine to me because I felt like a little bit like I was imitating, but there was like this deep desire in me to have that connection. So I think that there was an opportunity and it was just like lying in wait because I was not doing the work it took to actually get the connection that I wanted. And it wasn't until after we had kids and we went to this big church. So we had no connection with any of the people there because you know you could slip in and out and no one had any idea who you were. But the pastor's teachings were so good. And we went pretty rarely. Like we didn't go that often. And this is probably like 2009, 2010. So, you know, it wasn't that long ago. God started to pull us closer to him. And it was just like small revelation after small revelation of who he was through like pastors or people sometimes. Most of the time it was just through like when we'd actually go and make, make time for the Lord, he would give us a little nugget to, you know, survive off of for a while. It was like, it was like we were on rations and we were living, you know, instead of coming to the table and eating this huge feast, we were just living off like the bare minimum, but we were still spiritually alive enough to like, okay, I'm feeling a little hungry. I think we need to go back for a little bit more. (laughs) And, um, and then that just kind of created more of a, an appetite as, we indulged more then we kind of got more of an appetite. And then we went through some hard stuff with our kids when they were little, some health issues with them. And I feel like anytime there's like a major trial, you basically have to make a decision where you're either going to turn fully to God or fully away from God for that season, because you can't do it on the fence. Like you have to have that strength of him or you have to deny it. And so that really helped me to just turn fully toward him and lean on him for strength. Mm. And that was the first time in my life I had to do that. So. Mm. So going through the trial helped with the doubts. Very much so. Yeah. But I I think you can see it in other people, you know, they'll turn the other way. I see, I've had Mm -hmm. a lot of friends that I thought were much stronger than I am and they turned the other way. So I don't know why that is, but I think we all have that choice. What other ways um, for the girl that's listening who doesn't believe? Um, but there's a longing in her to know truth. What are other ways that um, helped you overcome the doubt? Well, I had the advantage of being raised in the church, you know, so I didn't have this huge roadblock of, although I'm sure there are lots of people that don't believe and it's because they were raised in the church. So (laughs) I understand that too, um, because my growing up in the church experience was not 
was not wonderful at all. But I think, um, you know, it just comes down to this like very personal internal thing where we each have this choice to make and it has eternal implications. And whether or not we believe that we're eternal beings, that we're going to live forever, no matter what choice we make, or even realizing that not making a choice is making a choice, you know, I think that in my mind, it's like, what do you have to lose by exploring Christianity and, and just like flat out in total honesty, asking God, like, okay, show me who you are because there, you have nothing to lose by, you know, by asking him to, to show up. He's good and he's faithful and he's a father who loves you. And he created each one of us with a purpose, you know? So I feel like because we're so intentionally placed here and he's such an intimate God that he wants like personal relationships with each one of us, like he's going to answer, he's going to show up and, and it doesn't take much or any faith to, you know, to, to put that question out there. So I don't know if that answers your question or not, but (laughs) that's my challenge, I guess, because it's like, I just don't understand. Like if you're, if you have that longing, why not just find out if there's something that can actually meet that, that deep, deep longing and that need for connection that each one of us has, like, why not try? Do you think though, and, and I'm going to play devil's advocate because, sure. you know, I'm a believer. Um, but do you think that part of, of the hesitation might be exactly what you talked about earlier and that worship is surrender and to pursue a relationship with a God that you may not know exists, but that requires a self-sacrifice. I mean, you read the verse in Romans where it is, it's like giving up yourself, you know, it does require mm-hmm. everything. It requires. Uh, it does. Yeah. So for somebody who's afraid because they don't want to give up everything, um, that seems like a legitimate fear. What would you, how would you respond to that? Well, if you, if you look at the whole thing and just see the sacrifice, then, you know, you're missing a big part of it because no one wants to live their life like continually sacrificing and laying down and, and getting trampled on and that's it. But that's not what it says. It it says that experience all that delights his heart. You know, it, it says in Ephesians that we've been given every spiritual blessing. And there's so many places in the Bible where it just talks about how God will absolutely 100% take care of every one of your needs, that he cares about the desires of your heart, that, you know, it, it's not like he's saying you're going to have this perfect life, but there's so much richness and fullness in a life that is with God in it mm-hmm. as a part of it. When you, when we lay down and surrender, because he knows way more than we know. And he has such good things for us that we can't receive if we've got our hands held tight to something. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, you have to have enough hope that there's something good out there. There's something better out there than, you know, what you're currently holding on to. Yeah, it's good. Okay. So the Finding Something Real podcast is about a journey towards redemption, eternity, authenticity, and love. Which of those four gifts that we can find in Christ, um, in Jesus, which of those stand out to you the most in your life right now and why? Authenticity. I just really um, value and crave realness from people mm-hmm. and, and from the Lord too. You know, I think that's just where I'm at in my season of life. Yeah. So, Yeah. Katie, thank you so much for being on here today. Uh, I appreciate you and 
thank you for being my friend. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast. If you love this series, hit subscribe and come back next week when we talk with another guest about their story towards finding something real. Per usual, you can also follow along on Instagram at Janelle underscore M underscore Wood or using the hashtag finding something real. Every Thursday around 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, I try to jump on there and host an Instagram live where we recap the week's episode, talk with friends and answer any questions that might come up. So feel free to join me on there. And of course, you can also sign up for the free study guide that goes along with this current series by heading over to my website at www.janellewood.com. Remember friends, you are loved and have a purpose. Until next time.